Welcome back to the third episode of the OTL Sports Layup Line. I'm joined today by my co-host, Nolan Russell. How are you doing, pal? I'm doing great. How are you? Not too bad. Uh, crying on the inside a little bit, looking at the carnage that is my March Madness bracket. Um, <laughs> not not the best uh, stretch of a few days for me. I, uh, I'm almost actually, I think, below 500. I think, I think as of a few days ago, I was around the bubble of like four or five games above 500, which is pretty fucking brutal in, uh, in March Madness, but... Honestly, this tournament has been, this tournament has been nuts. I mean, from the jump, we've seen a lot of matchups that have not gone the way that the public is uh, public anticipated. Um, but I don't know where you wanted to start. I don't know if you wanted to maybe dissect some of the matchups that we have coming up, or maybe look back on some of the ones that we that we missed. Um, I do definitely want to talk about Oral Roberts though, because they are on a run. Yeah, I definitely didn't see the Oral Roberts one coming. Uh, you are still above 500, so yeah, you're, you're at 26 barely. and 22. Not, yeah, not terrible. <laughs> not yeah. terrible. Yeah, you had a good start. Uh, I don't know. Things just haven't gone your way the past no. few rounds. Has not been good. I think Oral Roberts is really the main like surprise for me. I, I guess uh, Syracuse is kind of a big surprise. UCLA, you know, I was not high on UCLA at all. They came into the tournament on a four-game losing streak, and now they've won three in a row. So I didn't expect that, that's for sure. Uh, Oregon State is kind of surprising they're still around, but I, I did pick them in the first round at least. Loyola Chicago beating Illinois was obviously that was a big upset, but that was huge. Loyola Chicago as an eight seed is just ridiculous. I mean, they're they're a top ten team in the whole tournament, I think. Like, I don't know. It's just because of the conference they play in, but mm-hmm. like they were they were number eight in the Ken Palm rankings, which like ranks teams based on how good they are on both ends of the court and like factoring in like strength of schedule and all that stuff. The, the top, the teams above them four one seeds, three, two seeds. And then you have loyal to Chicago as an eight seed. So like, how are they, how explain are they that logic to me. It makes no sense. That. Yeah, no, that's brutal. Yeah, um, I think, I think when we were talking about it before you, I think we had that same point. I think it was about Oregon, right? That Oregon was a seven and you were like, Oregon deserves yeah. seven. Yeah. I, I had Iowa beating them still, but I'm, I'm not shocked that Oregon pulled that off. They're, they're a very good team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, um, I, I was actually going to say, besides Oral Roberts, I would say, honestly, the Syracuse the Syracuse run has been one that's uh, really intrigued me. I mean, they beat San Diego State and then came out and had a really strong game against uh, West Virginia. They didn't close as strong as they started, but I will say Buddy Bayheim is a bucket. Buddy Bayheim, that clip of him after making it, and then he goes, I'm a bucket, and you can see him melting it. I mean... I don't think there are many more things that you like to see more. And you see Jim Beheim throughout the game as his son's racking up more points. And you see him like put the clipboard on his head and he's just like in shock and the rest of his teammates are going nuts. Like it's such a good environment. And especially what I've noticed is because I didn't really pick my bracket with a lot of parody. I was kind of very chalk and I'm lear- I'm like coming to the realization that I'm regretting that because with the environment like that we're in with how March Madness is being presented, there is way more opportunity for upsets. And I think we've seen that through these first few rounds and especially seeing a bunch of these like middle to lower seeds end up pushing through to the, um, to the sweet 16. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be a really interesting shakedown and it does really kind of give me some buyer's regret and wish I could go back and redo this bracket. Yeah. I think the, uh, the COVID season is part of the factor here. I think some teams are a little bit underseeded because like COVID just wrecked their season. And like, it's just a, there's a lot more chaos here. I think some of the teams are a little rusty and then, I don't know, I guess that all plays a factor in the upsets here, but uh, my bracket's not too bad right now, actually. Like I think the, the Syracuse UCLA 
Loyola Chicago, Oral Roberts, and Oregon State. Those are the only teams that I didn't really have going this deep. I actually, I had Michigan losing also to LSU, but but otherwise, I have my like whole Elite Eight intact except for Illinois. So it's it's not terrible for me. Uh, I <laughs> I can't really say the same because uh, I had Gonzaga, Colorado, and uh, yeah. yeah, that's not a thing. And then I had Illinois, Baylor, and uh, yeah. <laughs> that's not good yeah. so i florida state dominated colorado that's shocking yeah, no i know they came out they came out really strong um colorado just seemed to have no answer it was just one of those games where florida state was kind of clicking on both ends of the floor and colorado couldn't really get any momentum and it's kind of tough to watch at that point a team that had played so strong down the stretch and a team especially that had a lot of potential because of how well they play on the defensive side i i thought they would have put up a better fight but Florida state just came out hot. And I mean, they just, they kind of just dogged them. There's really no other way to say it. Like they, they just kind of had their number the entire game. Like an 18 point win is kind of huge. Like same with uh same with UCLA, their last game, they had a 20 piece and going into play Alabama. Like that should be some good momentum as well. Yeah. I mean, Colorado won 96, 73 in their, their first round matchup. So they were coming in with a lot of confidence too. And the, uh, the Florida state just dominated them. UCLA, uh, yeah, they they won by twenty. You're right. Abilene Christian, that was that was a surprise beating uh, beating Texas. But that's a team that just plays very good defense, like Abilene Christian, and then their offense can just get really cold. So they kind of just got cold against UCLA. They only had forty seven points, so you're not going to win playing like that, really. Yeah, I don't want to say I'm disappointed in Maryland, but I th- I was very adamant on them putting up a better shot against Alabama, but. Again, Alabama is just one of those teams where if they get hot, then they just start rolling and like 96 points in, in a March Madness game, much like Colorado in the first round. I think I think that's kind of indicative of the way they were playing the entire game. Um, so looking at these hypothetical matchups here, um, given that only two teams remaining are actually uh, part of my projected final four, um, what do you see shaking out in, uh, in the both halves of the bracket here? All right. Well, let's just quickly go through this. I'm, I'm sticking with Gonzaga all the way to the championship. I've seen nothing to indicate otherwise. They scored 98 points in their first round matchup. They won by <laughs> they won by what it was 33 points in that yeah, game or something. 43. 43 points, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, their second round matchup, they beat Oklahoma by 16, scoring 87. So they've they've shown nothing but dominance all year long. So I'm sticking with them all the way. USC Oregon's going to be a good matchup between two very strong Pac-12 teams. They've played each other a few times already. That one could really go either way. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with USC, but I think that that one's a toss up, and Gonzaga should be able to beat either of them. Really, I think Baylor has a good shot of of taking down Villanova. I I would lean on Arkansas beating Oral Roberts, but who knows at this point? Oral Roberts is just red hot. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm sticking with Arkansas beating Baylor, and. I, I would lean on Loyola Chicago winning the Midwest now. I actually think that they're they're gonna they're gonna go through there. Oregon State's gonna give them a good matchup though. They they've been red hot like the last five or six games really. They just have not been able to miss. So that that one should be a good match. Syracuse Houston should be a good one as well. I'll I'll, I'll take Houston there, and I'll go Florida State Alabama, which is what I had before the tournament. So yeah, I guess uh, Gonzaga over Florida State, Arkansas over Loyola Chicago. That's my that's my final four. Okay. Um, 
Yeah, I don't think we're going to see much parity here. Um, I, I'm also going to go with Gonzaga, much much the same point. They were my uh, they were my winner from the beginning. Uh, they've shown really no indication of slowing down. Uh, two very strong games in their first two matchups, which was to be expected. I mean, they haven't lost all year. Um, USC Oregon to me is very interesting because both teams are coming off of really impressive wins. I mean, USC 30 bombed Kansas. Um, I don't I don't want to say no one really saw that coming, but that's that's a pretty strong win, especially going into the into the Sweet 16. That could be a huge amount of momentum. But same for Oregon. I mean, took down one of the better teams in the tournament in Iowa. Um, this one's tough for me. I think this one's this one's probably going to be the most entertaining game out of the Sweet 16 games. I think this one could kind of go either way. Um, for a little bit of parity, though, I am going to go Oregon. I think um, I think riding the momentum of beating Garza and uh, and Iowa, I think, will be huge for them going into the Sweet 16. But honestly, as I said, this could go either way. But I think I'm going to take Oregon. Um, I'm going to rock with Baylor as well. I have them coming out of my, uh, out of my South side of the bracket. Um, I really want to go Oral Roberts here. I really do. I want to see this run keep going. Yeah. I'm going to take Oral Roberts. Why not? They're going to lose to Baylor anyway, but I'm going to take Oral Roberts. They're going to be in the elite eight. They're going to be one of the two teams coming out of the South. So Gonzaga, Gonzaga, Oregon, Baylor, Oral Roberts, the odds of them beating Arkansas, I think are pretty small, but for the, for the, for the narrative alone, I'm going Oral Roberts. Um, I'm actually going to have Michigan over Florida state. Now, I don't know how much you're going to agree with that because you've been kind of a, you've been kind of a naysayer on Michigan. Um, but I, I don't know. I think, I feel like Michigan's going to pu- pull through here. I feel like with some of the other higher seeds that have been out, I feel like this is kind of the time to, for a team to kind of claim a side of the bracket. And I feel like Michigan could do that. Um, how well they're going to fare against Florida state, especially coming off of the way they played against Colorado. I don't know. Um, but I think a Michigan Alabama matchup, I think is definitely, definitely one in the cards. Um, so yeah, I mean, kind of indicative there. I'm taking Alabama over UCLA. There's as much as I want to see UCLA keep making a run. I mean, Alabama's kind of Alabama. They've been playing, they've been playing well the entire tournament. They came off a good win against Maryland. Um, I'm going to take Syracuse against Houston. Um, I'm riding the hot hand of buddy, buddy Bayheim. If the sink ships, I will sink with it. Um, and then I'm also going to take Loyola Chicago. Um, Oregon State has really potent shooting. I feel like if they get hot, much like they have in their first two games, I feel like it could pose as a problem to Loyola Chicago. But if they play any anywhere similar to the way that they played against Illinois, I think this is their game to lose. Um, so that would leave me with Loyola Chicago against Syracuse, Alabama against Michigan. Um, yeah, Gonzaga against Oregon and then Baylor against Oral Roberts, which would end up being Gonzaga, Baylor, uh, Gonzaga, Gonzaga, Baylor, Loyola, Chicago, and I'd probably go if if Michigan beats Florida State, then I think Michigan beats Alabama. So I'm gonna go Michigan, Loyola, Chicago, uh, Gonzaga, Baylor. That'll be my final four. The interesting thing to watch with Michigan is that Isaiah Livers might be back next game. So part of part of the reason I was a little down on them is the fact that he was out, and there's a chance he could be back next game, which which definitely increases their odds, but. I don't know. They looked a little shaky against LSU at times. I, I don't know about shaky, but like that, that game was, was kind of close for, for a good chunk of it. And Florida state was really dominant against Colorado. So I'm, I'm going to ride the hot hand there and stick with Florida state, but I don't mind the Michigan pick. Yeah. Florida, Florida state's not a bad show either. Like as, as we've talked about, like it's especially with how like getting deeper into the tournament and kind of building on past momentum. I feel like, especially a team that has beat good teams throughout the tournament, I feel like that's the kind of battle test that you want going into the later rounds, like the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight. 
Um, that's why I think if, if Syracuse could get past Houston, I feel like they could make more of a game with Loyola Chicago than people think. But I mean, Loyola Chicago beating Illinois, I think is the only, the only huge part of momentum you could want, especially going into a game against more of a middle seed, even though Oregon state has been hot as of late, as we've talked about, but it, this, this sweet 16 could go really anyway. Like I wouldn't be surprised if we had some of the same like outlandish outcomes that we saw in the first two rounds. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if for some reason UCL, UCLA beats Alabama, even though it's completely unlikely, but I could see that happening. Oral Roberts against Arkansas really does intrigue me because Arkansas hasn't had the most convincing, or they didn't have the most convincing win against Texas Tech. They kind of kept them in the game for a lot of that game. Um, and kind of referring to the past episodes, uh, I was on the Mac McClung hype train. Um, I'm very sad to see that come to an end. Um but I think Oral Roberts definitely has a shot at beating Arkansas. And I think if they beat Arkansas, that'll create a really fun narrative for the elite eight against Baylor. So I don't know. It's going to be a very, very interesting next few days. Um, the, so when did games resume on the 27th? I think, right. So two, two days. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, that should be, that should be super interesting. Did you want to uh, maybe move over some, some of the NBA news now? Yeah. Lots of, lots of NBA news. So. Yeah. Let's Lots get into that. it. Um, so who, where do you want to start? Because a lot has gone on in the last 24 hours. Uh, let's start with the the Raptors stuff. Because I know we obviously have a big Raptors uh, listener base probably. So let's let's get into that. So aside from, we'll get to the Kyle Lowry speculation in a second. Um, a trade as of about 30 minutes ago via Woj on Instagram. Uh, Toronto has traded Norman Powell to Portland for Gary Trent and Rodney Hood. Um, on paper, I do really like this deal because we do get kind of a solidified vet in Rodney hood to kind of bolster uh, the latter half of our roster, but also Gary Trent shown a lot this year. He he's had probably one of the most impressive improvements, uh, since last season. I think he's up like seven points a game. He's a bit down in, uh, in field goal percentage, just because I think he's taking on a lot more minutes than he's used to this year. Um, but I, I like him. I think coming for what we got back, I think we got a good amount of value for Norm. I know Norm's played well as of late, which is kind of uh, leaving a bad taste in a Raptors fans mouths um, as he's leaving. But I, I don't mind what we got back. I think maybe if we would have gotten a pick instead of Rodney Hood, I think we could have used that a bit more. But other than that, I don't I don't mind the deal. Yeah. Well, with with Gary Trent, you mentioned his field goal percentage being down, but that's that's really just a product of the shots that he takes. He's a, he's a three point shooter, really. He, mm-hmm. he takes over seven threes a game. So. He's, a, he's shooting almost 40% from deep. So he's actually efficient relative to, to the type of shots he takes. So I, I actually like that pickup for them. I, he's younger than I thought he was. He's, he's still 22 only. He, he plays older than he is. I, I feel like he's pretty solid defensively. He's got, you know, decent ball handling, decent passing. He, he's, he's going to be a good addition to the team. And like you said, this is definitely his best season so far. So we'll see if uh, his ceiling is even higher than where it is right now. Yeah. I think he's, he's he's a kind of similar to player to Norman Powell actually in a, in a decent amount of ways. So he kind of he should be able to step in and, and fill a similar role pretty much right off the bat. So I don't mind that for the Raptors. No, especially and you can never really knock picking up youth. I mean, not to say that Norman Powell is not the youngest buck in the yard, but I mean, picking up a younger guy uh, and getting good value back and getting a solidified bet, I think was definitely um, a good decision. But as I said, I feel like maybe if we would have were able to kind of squeeze a pick out of them, I feel like that would have been big for us going into the off season. But other than that, I don't, I like them including of uh, Gary Trent. I think he'll play well with uh, Van Vliet if they choose to start him. 
Um, I assume Rodney Hood will be coming off the bench, but that'll come down to a Nick Nurse coaching decision. Um, and I guess we'll stick with Toronto then. There's a lot that's going around about Kyle Lowry right now. Um, a few projected packages have been put out in the last few days. Uh, the one that really intrigues me that I don't think will happen, but I would be astounded if it did, is the Sixers package. I don't know if you've looked at it. Um, is this the one involving both Maxi and Thibel? Yeah, and two first-round picks. Yeah, that's not happening. <laughs> you know, that's like, when I first looked at that, I was like, that's that's looking like Chris Paul kind of money. I mean, the James, like they were in the market for James Harden and didn't, didn't want to trade Tyrese Maxey for James Harden. So I, I don't see him going for Kyle Lowry here. No. Uh, Thibel could potentially be on on the market though. That one, that and that would be a good pickup for the Raptors if they can get him. But I would be shocked if Tyrese Maxey gets dealt. No, they've they've been really adamant on keeping him. Um, I know as you as you mentioned, Harden Harden was kind of one of the focal points in a move involving uh involving Maxey. But I don't I don't really see the Raptors getting as much value as they think they're gonna get. Like, don't get me wrong, Lowry, Lowry is still extremely capable of starting in this league. And I mean, he's really shown no indication of not being that kind of bulldog mentality on the floor, still being able to provide on both ends of the floor. But I um, I don't think his value at 35 is as high as the Raptors are kind of appraising him at. Like, I think two first round picks is a bit of a stretch. I think even, even if we were to get Dybul in a first, I think that's a win. Um, but I mean, again, there's there's really a lot of different destinations. Like he he could go somewhere else. Like he doesn't have to be anywhere else besides the Sixers. Like I think the Clippers are a really interesting destination too. Um, I don't know what we would get in return, what they'd be willing to give up. But I don't know. I feel like there are a lot of different avenues he could go. I feel like even even throwing him on, I don't I don't know, even putting him on a team like the Bucks, I feel like that could be a really interesting situation. Again, you don't really know what you'd be able to get back, but these kind of teams going into the playoffs who are going to kind of need that veteran experience to push, push a younger core through the playoffs. I feel like Lowry could kind of be the ideal gel guy at point guard to kind of rally a team going into the postseason. But I'm going to be really interested to see where he goes because I think he's, he's got a lot more suitors than people think. Yeah. I've been hearing Miami heat's name get thrown around a lot recently oh, yeah. too, Duncan which would Robinson. be uh, interesting. Dragic played so well for them in the playoffs last year. I don't feel like they need Lowry that much, but it's never a bad thing to acquire a guy like that if yeah. you're a contender. So I, I don't really know where he's going to go. I, I I was hoping like the Clippers for a while. I think that's a great fit for him. He gets to reunite with Kawhi and Ibaka. You know, those those three won a title together. But I just don't think it's in the cards. It doesn't seem like the Clippers are, are going to pull a deal there. It's just it's too difficult for them with the with the cap. Like yeah. adding that 30 million cap hit is it just it would be a challenge to to pull it off. Under, yeah. Um, you did mention the Heat. Um, the Heat have come out and said that they aren't interested in dealing Tyler Tyler Hero in exchange for uh, Lowry. They kind of put him off limits, but they are willing to part ways with Duncan Robinson. Um, I think that could that could really open the door to an interesting lineup situation with the Raptors. I would actually like them to try a situation of almost trying to play like a small ball, more agile lineup with possibly playing Siakam at the five. Um, I don't, because at this point they haven't been playing well as of late. And I feel like at this point, they kind of just need the kind of resuscitation, like the electric paddles. I feel like they need something to kind of fire everyone back up. And I feel like kind of a lineup shift could do that. Like Siakam, Siakam at the five, uh, Duncan Robinson to the four, OG at the three. And then now you have Gary Trent at the two and then Fred at the one. I don't mind that. I mean, Boucher has been playing terrible, but I think I think if you're going to kind of turn away from a more conventional lineup, I feel like that would be the way that you go. I don't know how Siakam would hit, 
be able to fare against most of the elite big big men, aka centers in the league. But um, not I, well. I really, sorry, <laughs> not well. I don't think. No. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think I think Duncan Robinson would be interesting. Um, it would just open the door for the Raptors. He had a lot more a lot more diverse with their lineup combos, and they'd be able to kind of. I don't want to say load manage because that's kind of a beaten to death term, but they'd be able to kind of structure certain game plans. I think having that kind of diversity in their, in their roster would be huge for them, like scheming to individual teams. But I, I don't know. I just, I like Duncan Robinson. I think getting him in a Raptors uniform, I think would be ideal for us. Um, as long as we're not giving up anything plus Kyle, I think as long as it's just Kyle and then maybe like Duncan Robinson in a second or like even a first that we would manage to be able to get that out of them. But I highly doubt they give up a first with Duncan Robinson. Yeah, Willie uh, Robinson's another guy that's that's still reasonably young. He's only 26. He's the kind of guy that you can kind of uh, he, he can play quite a few different positions, and he just mixes well with a bunch of other players. You know, he's he spaces the floor, he shoots the ball really well. He doesn't need he doesn't need to have the ball in his hands a lot, and he's just really like kind of the perfect role player. Like if his defense was even better, his defense is just kind of fine. But aside from that, he's he's basically the perfect role player. So that's that's kind of a that's always a good guy to have. I don't know, I don't really like the idea of the Heat trading him. I don't I don't like it from their perspective. I think he's an important piece to their to the way they play. Mm-hmm. They kind of need those guys that can just shoot. And I don't I don't really like the idea of giving him up from their perspective. Uh, yeah, I, I don't really know what the trade would be to get Lowry to Miami. I, I just don't see it being a good, good move for both sides. I don't, I don't see a, the compromise there. It's, it's just a, it's a weird destination, I think. Yeah, no, I agree. I think, I think the heat parting ways is one of the more key facets of their, of their lineup, I think isn't ideal for them, but I, but again, it's kind of that, a, that chance to get a guy like Lowry in the locker room to be able to kind of rally a team around a solid veteran who can still play the role he's been playing for like 15 plus years. So I think the opportunity to get how much he brings to a team into your locker room, I think is like a lot more, a lot more indicative of what these more competitive teams are trying to build towards. Um, yeah, I think he has a he has a lot of different destinations. I also heard floated out yesterday that uh, the Nuggets were the Nuggets if they were to even go after him, then play like a combo. Because now, uh, sorry, I guess I should probably cover that first. Uh, the Magic and Aaron Gordon going to the Nuggets, that is that's a crazy deal for the Nuggets. Uh, that kind of that gives them a a pretty unique lineup. Um, I mean, you have Jamal Murray, and now you have Aaron Gordon and Jokic. Um, I, how do you how do you view that trade before before I move on to the possibility of a potential Raptors uh, or sorry Lowry Nuggets situation? It's a fantastic trade for the Nuggets. I think Aaron Gordon's defense is criminally underrated. It's phenomenal on that end, which is really something the Nuggets needed. And offensively, he can kind of shoot. It's a little streaky, a little inconsistent, but I think with uh, guys like Murray and Jokic feeding them the ball and getting them open, he should be able to shoot rather efficiently. And obviously, he's just an explosive athlete that, you know, I'd love to see some lob passes from Jokic or Murray to him. And I just think it's it's a really great fit, both for the Nuggets and for Aaron Gordon in general. I I expect him to to have some productive productive months to end this season. So I really love that pickup for them. Yeah. As for the, the Lowry to the Nuggets, I don't really, I don't think it's going to happen, especially like, I think if they didn't get Gordon, then maybe they would have gone after Lowry, but I just don't know how much like they really have to offer now. 
and like how they'd make it work from a Caps perspective. I don't think they could get both Gordon and Lowry. They also already got JaVale McGee earlier today, mm-hmm. another solid pickup. So I, I just don't really see them making a third move. I don't know if they really even can make a third move with the assets that they have, but it would be an interesting fit potentially. I just, I don't really see it happening. No, I, um, I was going to say the only thing that I've heard uh, surrounding the Raptors and the Nuggets um, and talks has been, well, especially it's kind of more amplified now that they picked up JaVale, as you mentioned earlier this morning. Um, but with him coming in, that kind of, I don't want to say pushes Bulbul to kind of the back of the bench, but now he's probably third or second or third in terms of like bench depth, like going on the floor. So I think that could kind of pave the way for him to possibly go somewhere else if they really wanted to offload um, some more some more of the guys who really aren't going to be seeing as much minutes as they anticipated. I mean, I'm sure that they plan on building their future around Bull Bull. He is kind of that polarizing talent who, especially as of late, I don't know if you saw the clips of him handling the ball and going one on five in transition, but he, and that was pretty crazy to watch. Um, but he, he provides an, an immense amount of potential in terms of what he could do in the future. Um, I don't know how likely they are to move on from him uh, in order to get somebody, uh, somebody pivotal to postseason success back, but I, uh, I'd be interested to see if with JaVale coming in, if that kind of creates some uncertainty in, uh, in the Nuggets management as to what to do with Bull Bull. Because I feel like he'd have a lot of likely suitors as well, people who would want to bring want to bring some very unique talent like him uh, in terms of his length and his uh, kind of, I don't want to say underrated, like ball handling and ball skills, but for how big he is, like you don't really expect that. Yeah, he's he kind of plays like a guard, actually. He's got a lot of upside for sure. But, you know, he's just he's still trying to put everything together. He needs to add some some strength, especially to just be able to body down low. You know, for a guy that's almost like, what, 7'2"-ish, he's, he's just not very strong. So kind of limits what he's able to do. But the potential is definitely very high there. He's kind of similar to a guy like Alexei Pokashevsky on the Thunder, just someone that's really, really tall but can also play like a guard. You've never really seen players like that before. Oh, yeah. No, and I, I like that you uh, make that nod to him because um, you've been really high on him uh, for a while. You always send me uh, Instagram DMs and you're like the GOAT. <laughs> oh, yeah. Alexei Pokashevsky, man. That's my guy. <laughs> um, Yeah, and I mean, besides that, I think there there were a few other uh, bigger ones. I know, um, who was it? George Hill. George Hill went to, uh, went to Philadelphia for Tony Bradley, Terrence Ferguson, and two future second-round picks. Um, and Austin Rivers also goes to OKC as part of uh, as part of it being a three way deal. Uh, and then Vucevic uh, went to the went to the Bulls. Vucevic and Alfred Camino are going to the Bulls for uh, Wendell Carter, Otto Porter, and um, and two first round picks. Yeah, that one's kind of puzzling to me. I don't like I I really like Vucevic as a player, but I don't know how well he really fits in Chicago. Like offense was never their issue in the first place. It was always the defensive end that was the concern and. I just think Vucevic just kind of brings more offense and less defense to a team that is already good offensively and bad defensively. So I don't really, I don't really get that, uh, especially giving up two first round picks and Wendell Carter, who has a lot of potential. I, yeah, I don't know. I kind of, I like this for the magic getting two first round picks and Carter. It's a pretty good pickup for them for a team that's clearly rebuilding at this point. You know, they traded their three best players today, really Fournier also got dealt to Boston. So Orlando's just going full on rebuild right now. And I think this is a this is a good pickup for them. Chicago, though, I, I don't really get it. I think this this turns them into a fringe playoff team, which is kind of what they already were. So, you know, 
maybe you get a first round win. I, I actually, I still don't see them winning in the first round, even with this team. So it's just kind of a puzzling move for them. Yeah, no, I, um, when I first saw it, I liked the pickup of Vucevic because he has really, uh, he's come a long way in the last few years. Um, and I mean, he's been, he's been playing well his entire career, but him being able to really stretch the floor as of late in his last few years, I think has provided a lot of, uh, a lot of depth to a lot of scoring. Um, and I feel like him, him going to more of a, I don't want to say more of a potent offensive team, but they do have a lot of good, good offensive weapons on that team. Um, I feel like he'll gel well, as you said, I feel like it kind of hinders uh, their defensive play more than it helps. Um, he's never really been known for his defensive play in the paint. Um, but I, I, I don't know. I mean, the bulls, as you said, are kind of one of those fringe playoff teams. So I don't really think it does too much, but I don't mind the move. Um, I think the ability to get a guy like that, I kind of, I don't want to say can be fixed by other moves, um, but they certainly can make some more moves to kind of cover the holes in terms of their defensive depth. Um, yeah, besides, besides that, I mean, there's really not much else to say. He's a great, he's a great offensive player. He's, he's improved a lot and I feel like he can bring a lot to the bulls. I just feel like there are a few more moves that need to be made for them in order to, uh, in order to bolster up their roster come playoff time. Um, and I, I think the last one here that I wanted to bring up was um, Sacramento sending uh, Nemanja. Is is it Bielitsa? Yeah, that's a, something like that. Yeah, Bielitsa. Bielitsa. Yeah. yeah, to the Heat for Mo Harkless and Chris Silva. Um, and that one's really interesting because we did just have that Duncan Robinson uh, possibly coming to the Raptors conversation, um, and he kind of fills a very I don't want to say a very similar role, but they do play very similarly, even though Nemanja is a tad older than he is. Um, but it's kind of one of those things, like much like, um, much like the Nuggets bringing in JaVale kind of pushes, push Bull Bull down the lineup. I feel like that it won't be the same situation with Duncan Robinson, because I feel like he'll be getting more minutes than, uh, than Bielita anyway. But I feel like that could definitely stir some things up in terms of some possible, uh, trade options for, uh, Duncan Robinson. But I don't know. I, I don't mind the move. I think it just gives them more of a, more of what they like, like more three and D type players. And I mean, Bielitz is not unbelievable defensively, but he's solid. Um, yeah. I don't know. I feel like he'll be a good gel piece for that roster. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, this does possibly like open up the, the trade Avenue of maybe sending Duncan Robinson away. I can see how Bielitz would take that role, but I, I just think Robinson still, there's enough different, like he, he likes playing off ball and just running around the court. Whereas Bialisa is more of a kind of stand in the corner. And then, you know, if the D D helps, then you kick it out to him and he shoots. Whereas Robinson can kind of create his own shot a little bit more and just get open. But yeah, I, I definitely think this is a good pickup for the heat. And what did the Kings get back? Mo Harkless and Mo Harkless and uh, Chris Silva. Chris Silva, um, yeah. I I forget if he came internationally, but I remember they've had him in in their system. I think for a year or two now, but he's yeah, he's still, not, he's still pretty much, raw. Really. Yeah, he's still pretty raw. He's pretty young, I think. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know. I I feel like they got a decent return. Like Mo Harkless has kind of been in the league what seems like forever, but getting Chris Silva back, I think, could be good for them. Um, I don't know how much they really needed it, but. I don't know. I, I feel like it could bode well for them in the future, but I know losing losing kind of a proven talent like Bielitsa, I know, isn't ideal, especially for a Kings team that's kind of trying to get over that hump and kind of be a solidified playoff team. Um, I know that they're not really there yet. Like, they have a lot of younger pieces that still need to develop, but I don't know. I think it, it could be a step in the right direction. I think his contract wasn't great, so I think it's more so kind of just to get his contract out of the situation, but I could be wrong. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, I think it's kind of just one of those trades that it doesn't really benefit Sacramento all that much, but they just they just kind of needed to move on. It was it wasn't working out there, so yeah, they so just he, kind of dealt him. Yeah, he only he only has an average salary of six uh six point eight million. His his base salary is seven point one this year, so not the craziest salary, but I mean frees up a decent amount going to the off season for them. I mean, I guess yeah. they saw it as more of um like dispose disposable salary almost like able to part ways with it and not really give not not to say give two fucks about it but not to give second thoughts uh um, yeah it's really just to clear his cap so yeah it's kind of a nothing trade for them but they don't really lose too much they didn't really need them so it's it is what it is it's kind of disappointing that they didn't get a, a second round pick or something but yeah, for Silva has some potential at least, and Harkless they can probably trade for a second round pick next year or something. So who knows? I think the the biggest trade that we haven't really talked about is the Evan Fournier one to the Celtics. Yeah, I mean, I was I was having a talk about this in uh, in the DMs with a friend of mine, but I don't really know how much this really does for them though. Like he's not he's not great at all defensively. I don't really know where he fits in. He's probably going to be coming off the bench. Like I don't see him starting. I don't want to say I don't know why they did it, but I just don't really feel like it was a move that needed to be made. I, I don't I don't really know how much he actually brings to that team that they didn't already have. I like it actually. I think he'd he'd be a really great six man if they want to use him in that kind of context. Very good shooter. He's developed a lot more as a passer. He's really he's in the best season of his career right now. He's he's averaging nineteen point seven points per game, almost four assists, shooting, you know, like he always does. 46% from the field around 39% from deep around 80% from the free throw line. Like he's always been just consistently efficient all across the board, three point sniper. I think he's, he's going to be a good fit there. I kind of agree that it, it doesn't, I don't know if it really moves the needle in terms of, of like Boston was already a contender and not like they were kind of a fringe contender. And I don't think Fournier really puts them over the top, but it's a nice addition. And, for two second round picks, it's like, I think that's, that's a pretty good trade for them. I mean, yeah, I don't, I'm not going to use the word fleeced because I don't, I don't really know how well he's going to fit in with Boston, given how much, uh, how much guard or their influx of guards that they have in their, uh, in their arsenal already. But I don't know. I don't, I don't see it as being terrible value. I mean, having to only give up two seconds for a guy who's probably having the best season of his career and he's playing well. I mean, I can't, I can't argue that, but I don't know. I just don't, I don't really see him, as I said, I don't really see him doing anything that they don't already have. But, I mean, providing good bench depth and in, and in terms of, like, second unit scoring, I feel like he'll be huge. It kind of just depends what kind of role they give him. Like, as you mentioned, like, the six-man role, I think is something that in, that intrigues me a little bit. I think him getting that in-between starter and, uh, and second squad minutes, I think, could be big. Um, and I think the ability to play, I don't want to say with better with better talent around him, but if he, if he ends up getting a lot of minutes with, with the majority of the first unit, I feel like we could see, I think we'll get a real indication of how valuable he is to that team. Um, but if he just comes off the bench, like 12 to 15 minutes a game, that's not a terrible thing either. I think is you'll see his numbers dive down a little bit, but I highly doubt that they don't maximize his potential. I feel like they'll use him as a six man or even like the first guy off the bench besides whoever they have at six man. But um yeah, I mean, he does do a lot for them, as you mentioned. Like, he is a he is a good kind of uh, he's a three point shooter. He kind of has that ability to, uh, I don't know, stretch stretch the floor across across all uh, across all positions. He's he's become more crafty, as you mentioned, and improved his playmaking ability. But yeah, I, I don't know. I'm kind of this is like meh. 
Like he, he's a great player, but I don't, I just don't see him really bringing anything to that roster. Uh, I don't know. I, I think his shooting will be valuable. You know, he's averaging almost 20 points per game right now. Obviously he's playing for, you know, kind of crappy magic team. So his stats are a little inflated, but he's always been an efficient scorer, you know, pretty, pretty good role player. I think he'll, he'll be a valuable guy, especially if he, he fills that six man role, which I think he probably will. Yeah. Um, other than that, I, I, there was DeLon Wright got dealt to the Kings, which is interesting. I mean, he's yeah, a point guard dealt to a team that has, you know, their best player is a point guard, and they have a rookie point guard. So I don't really understand it, but he's a good player. It's just a weird, weird choice for Sacramento to, to go after him. I don't really get it. Yeah. Um, I think, for at least from what I saw on social media, there was a lot of people that were kind of just saying, oh, finally, Corey Joseph's out of Sacramento. So I don't know, it may have just been to get a, a fresh face in the locker room, but I don't know. I feel like those, again, one of those trades is kind of like a meh, like it kind of doesn't really do much for both sides. Like, yeah, as you mentioned, I mean, they have Halliburton and Fox, so I don't really know what they're going to do in terms of using him uh, in an effective way, but I don't mind the move. And I mean, besides that trade, I think the only one that's kind of on the bubble for me that hasn't actually like gone or hasn't actually like come to fruition yet is the Victor Oladipo situation. Um, there are a lot of people are saying that he's being undervalued in the market right now uh, with not many teams really being able to provide uh, the package that the Rockets are looking for. Um, who do you see as the most likely suitors for uh, Oladipo and what do you think the asking price is going to be? I'm not really sure, to be honest. I, I've heard Miami's name thrown around, which would be, I, I actually, I kind of like that for Miami, but I don't really know. Other than that, it seems like there just, there isn't really a huge market for him because he's a guy that has a lot of injury history. He's kind of had a little bit of a rough season, been very inefficient this year. He's just someone that I don't know if I really want to rely on a guy that's just been hurt as much as he has, but the clear like the talent is clearly there so uh maybe the warriors go after him i've heard that's a potential name i think i think it's miami and golden state those are probably the main main potential uh tenders for him maybe the knicks even i wouldn't be shocked if the knicks go after him but i don't really know where else he would go yeah the knicks now that you mentioned the knicks the knicks would kind of be interesting i think that would uh that would create a pretty a pretty cool dynamic, I think, between a lot of a lot of guys who you usually wouldn't see on the same team. Like I think I think Oladipo and Randall could actually be a pretty interesting combo. Um I I it kind of just takes it coming to fruition, of course, like for the deal to get done to actually see how they'd play together. But I think that's a combo that would be that'd be an interesting situation. Um I mean I don't know in terms of their salary cap situation or in terms of moving talent how adamant the Bucks would be to kind of make moves, but not, not saying that they really need to. I mean, they've been playing well for most of the season, but I don't know. I think Oladipo would, I think, do a lot for that team. I mean, he's good defensively, and he still has a lot of offensive game to him. So I feel like being able to bring in a guy like that to help Giannis, I think, would be kind of huge. Um, yeah, besides besides the teams that you already mentioned and maybe the Bucs, I don't really see – or uh, yeah, and the Knicks. I don't really see many other teams maybe making a move for him. Um, I, I don't know. I feel like wherever Oladipo goes, I feel like, it'll kind of just have to come down to however the team's going to use him to see what kind of success he's actually going to have. Yeah. I, yeah. I agree with that. Um, yeah. I don't really have much to say about that. I think, I think he would be a, a pretty decent addition to the bucks. Drew holiday kind of fills a similar role, but I, I think both of them 
both Holiday and Oladipo are capable of playing off ball. So I don't I don't hate the fit together. And obviously defensively that 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 guard duo would be fantastic, I think. So mm. I don't I don't hate the addition of uh Oladipo. I just don't really know how they how they get him there, you know, from a salary standpoint. Yes. Yeah, I think they'd probably have to give up like Brooke Lopez and Dante DiVincenzo, which I don't know if I if I really like that, but I don't hate his fit in Milwaukee. I don't think I don't think they're really on the market for him, uh, but it's it's a potential destination that would be interesting for sure. Yeah. Um. And I mean, we have kind of as of right now. I mean, I am just actively checking my checking my feed to see if anything's uh, come out, but I haven't really seen any updates. So I think we'll end it. We'll end it on the thought of uh, where where do you see if you had to pick one team where Kyle Lowry is going to be wearing their jersey by the end of the year besides the Toronto Raptors? Who is it? I was leaning towards the Clippers for a good chunk of the season, but apparently they're not that interested anymore just from a salary standpoint. Philly is another team that I was really high on him potentially going there, but they just traded for George Hill. So I don't really know if they they want Lowry anymore. I think Hill kind of fills a similar role. Obviously he's not as good, but you know, for like a cheaper, cheaper kind of alternative. So with those two potentially out of the market, I think, I think Miami becomes probably the, the most, likely destination for him that, that's where i would lean yeah i was uh i was thinking uh much longer your train of thought my first thought was the clippers um but as you said they kind of uh they they haven't really been as adamant as they first were in the uh in the lowry situation um and with the sixers filling their role that they needed i think i think the heat are a good destination um and I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to echo your same uh, statement, but I mean, I feel like as of right now, it really is only the Heat. They're really the only team that I'm hearing about. Um, yeah, I mean, I probably go the Heat as well. If I had to put, if I had to throw kind of a dark horse name in the hat, I mean, I think honestly, a team like the Knicks would be really interesting. I mean, they never really mind bringing on bigger salary caps, and I don't really think that their salary situation is anything crazy right now, anyway. Um, and I think that they would have the pieces to give us back a decent package. Um, how well he would fit, I think, would be would be kind of the question. Um, but, I mean, he kind of just brings – I don't want to keep echoing the same uh, statement, but the uh, the veteran experience is really kind of underrated, especially in today's league with how, how youth-driven it is. So I feel like, especially if the Knicks are looking to make kind of a playoff push or even build towards the future with one or two veteran pieces, I feel like – they were to able to get Lowry for the end of the year, possibly make a push. If not, kind of just mentor some of the younger guys, show them the way. I feel like that could go a long way, but I feel like the most likely destination as of right now is probably the Heat. If I could throw another dark horse in here, I haven't heard anything about them going after Lowry, so I don't really even expect this to happen. But I think a team like the Dallas Mavericks would be a great landing spot for him. They bring in a veteran point guard, guy who can play very good defense. He's more than comfortable playing off ball. Like, they, the Raptors have always used this double point guard lineup of Van Vliet and Lowry. So I have no reason to suspect it wouldn't work with him and Luca. You know, he can shoot the ball very well. Doesn't always need it in his hands, but he can also take over the playmaking duties if Luca's off or, you know, different plays. They can kind of alternate who who starts with the ball and whatnot. So I think he'd be a really good fit there. Luca kind of has got so much of the load there that you can kind of see it like wearing on him a little bit and he's getting fatigued. And, you know, he's been getting hurt decent amount over the few seasons. So maybe if you take a little bit of the load off him, it might it might help him out. So I, I think Lowry would be a great fit there. You know, another situation where it might be hard to make it work with the cap. But if they could if they could pull it off, I, I'd love to see him go to Dallas. 
Yeah, that's a that's a very interesting destination and situation in general. Um, I think he he would, as you mentioned, be able to take some of the weight off of Luca's shoulders, and I feel like that could go well for uh, that could bode well for the rest of his career instead in terms of staying healthy and maintaining his uh, his upward trajectory. Um, but yeah, other than that, unless there's anything uh, else that you want to talk about, then maybe we just wrap it up. Yeah, I'm just looking at Woj's uh, Twitter and nothing. There's really nothing to talk about. So Cricket. I guess uh, maybe Andre Drummond. I don't know. Where where do you think he would go? I've heard the Knicks as a potential destination, but. Yeah, I've I've heard the Knicks too. Um, one that I think that could kind of be really interesting that I think could, that we could definitely see is possibly him going to the Lakers. Um, I feel like that's one, especially given how, I don't want to say how, undervalued he is but his value has dropped significantly in the last two or three years um i feel like the ability for the lakers to bring in a guy like that um just absolute board horse um he would kind of fill he would kind of fill everything that they would need out of his center because i mean they have ad who's an extremely great defender um also would complement i think drummond really well uh being able to kind of have one guy in the perimeter and one guy kind of lock paint um that's really the only other destination i see him going possibly I, I like the the Lakers fit. I'm someone that's not super high on Andre Drummond as a whole, but I think his uh his value would be maximized playing there because it just they they'd give him the option of just kind of playing his role because they have they have so many versatile defenders that you know they can kind of afford to have someone like Drummond who kind of just sits in the paint a lot and isn't very active on the perimeter at all. So I don't hate that fit there. Um, I don't know if it's a great fit for like him. Like he he might not get the kind of minutes that he wants, but you know he'll he'll go to a championship contender if he goes there. So you know that's kind of the the trade off that he'd have to have to be thinking about. So yeah, the Lakers and the Knicks for me, those are probably the two main contenders for him. But it's such a Knicks move to go after a guy like yeah. Andre Drummond. No, I I agree. They uh they never seem to really mind going after those uh bigger and not to say expired talents, but guys who are kind of on the downward swing, um either in terms of skill in general or just value in the market. Um, but yeah, I I, I wouldn't put it past the Knicks to make a move like that. I think the combo of Randall and uh Randall and Drummond could be interesting though. I kind of like that dynamic, um, especially with how how far Randall's come in the last year and a bit. Um, I mean he has now. Shot as shot up as the favorite for the most improved player award, um, over Jeremy Grant. Um, yeah, that could be an interesting combo, but I think, uh, I think he would kind of have to adapt to to a new situation with the Lakers, as you said, kind of adapt to playing his role strictly and possibly like, uh, having to soak a bit less minutes per game. Uh, but I mean, if that's what it takes to kind of be a focal point in a championship push, then. I mean, I think he'd be willing to do it. I think most players would, especially uh, considering he is in in most respects in the latter half of his career. Um, so I think he'd be willing to take that kind of uh, involvement cut, so to speak. Um, yeah. Besides that, I don't I don't really have any other players on the bubble. Um, I don't know if you wanted to bring anyone else up. No, I think we're good. All right. Um, well, this has been the third episode of the of Over the Line Sports Layup Line. Uh, I'd like to thank you guys for listening. We we actually just started our own uh, Instagram page for the Overline Sports Layup Line. So it's uh, OTL underscore layup line on Instagram. Uh, it has a very similar logo as our Overline Sports uh, counterpart, the actual uh, the site Instagram. Um, you guys can follow that. We have, we've been posting bracket updates. Uh, you guys can read my destroyed bracket and weep with me. Um, I always have I always have tissues close. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, 
it's a new project that we started. So it'd be great if you guys could go check that out, uh, throw us a follow on Instagram, <clears throat> interact with us, however you want, uh, DM us ideas for, uh, for new content you want coming up in the, in the next episode. Um, it should be more of the same, probably kind of summarizing some of the new signings that'll come out in the next few days. Um, and yeah, just analyzing matchups, talking about the week in, uh, week in the NBA. So if you guys want to see anything in particular, interact with Nolan and I, you guys can DM us, DM the Overline Sports account, DM OTL, Layup Line, whichever one you guys want. Um, and yeah, throw us, throw us a follow. Uh, you'll be able to find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you find your podcast, wherever you listen, we will be there. That'll do it for our third episode of the Overline Sports Layup Line. I uh, wanted to thank you guys for listening and have a great day.